0: hello and welcome to the horizon church podcast we exist to see lives transformed through jesus and are located in the heart of surrey bc canada to find out more visit us at horizonchurch.ca we hope this message blesses and inspires you here we go last week we talked about a holy spirit encounter of the necessity of an appointment with God's presence that revolutionizes your life, that refreshes you with fresh strength and sharpened vision. We talked about the need to be intentional, how Moses turned aside and had an intentional encounter with God, where intentionally turning aside is to the Holy Spirit is a place of finding new strength. It's a place of seeing fresh vision for our life. It's a place of... Seeing the power of God help us to be more like Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We talked about the question, are we thirsty? I won't re-preach that message. You're okay. It's going to be all right. But today we're going to talk about the necessity for not just an intentional encounter, but a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 and 8 says this, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth a power encounter a power encounter it means encountering the there's a greek word the dunamis or the the dynamite the dynamo the might the ability the force And the energy of the Holy Spirit that works through us to do mighty things or mighty work for God. Because of the Holy Spirit, when you have a power encounter with the Holy Spirit, you can, that means, do mighty things for God. I think that's a good thing. Because of the Holy Spirit, I have ability that is beyond me. Because of the Holy Spirit, I have a supernatural force or energy inside of me. Because of the Holy Spirit, I can, you can do mighty things for God. Turn to someone and say, you can do mighty things. Some of you are not sure. But you can only do mighty things for God because of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead being within you. We see this all through Acts, the book of Acts, which is kind of like the history of the church in your Bible, about two-thirds of the way through. Acts 3 and 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, how? why does this surprise you? There was a great healing that had happened. He said, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? He had had a power encounter. He was walking in the dunamis or the power of God, and he could do mighty things for God. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work among them all, at work in them all, with great power, powerfully. Because of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say this again, I can do mighty things for God. Because of the Holy Spirit... I have an ability beyond myself. Because of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power of God works in me and works through me and is for beyond me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, powerfully at work in them all. Do we need more power? I think we do. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you that you are here and present We pray that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to the church, but to also to us as individuals in our spaces that we occupy, in the places that we go, that you would speak to us about how to live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to turn in your Bible to Luke 15, and we're going to continue along here. Luke 15 is the parable of the lost sheep, it's called. I'm going to read beginning at verse 1. Now, the tax collector and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the, of the, of the nation, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they kind of did that together. They ruled the religious life of the, of the nation. They muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Someone say one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Someone say lost. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors. Those are not dramatic pauses. I'm trying to, my eyes are getting worse, and I'm trying to find out where I am in the Bible. (laughs) I'm not that smart. I'm like, where is it? (laughs) Then he calls to his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Someone say "Rejoice." rejoice. There's one. Lost, rejoice. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Lost, lost people. I don't know if you've ever lost something of incredible value or you've ever been lost significantly. I've lost my ring before. At least I thought I had lost it. When we first got married, I would take it off, often when I would wash my hands, because I didn't like the kind of the soap and the wet feeling under there, and I'd put it down and put it back on. And one time, I lost it. I left it somewhere and lost it because I was doing that. Shanda had always bothered me about it. Don't do that. You're going to lose it, and everything like that. So what had happened is I thought, she left me sit for three days, uh, wondering where my ring was. uh, and then I went into, at that time, the Bible College office and Linda Cole handed me my ring. I said, where has this been? Said, who, who brought it in? Said, oh, someone found it in the bathroom, put it in here. But Shanda said to just hold it for a few days. <laughs> we had words after that and they were all not. Na- <laughs> they were not all nice, but I had never take my ring off anymore. So whatever lesson I was supposed to learn, if that was the one, I learned it. Lost things. If you ever been out uh, where we grew up, we had uh, mushrooms would grow in the forest, and I'm not talking about those kind of mushrooms. Well, those do too, but I don't pick them. But pine mushrooms, chanterelle mushrooms, and when I went when we moved to Vancouver Island, we also pick, would go out in the forest and pick them and make money for them. I I don't like eating mushrooms. I don't think they taste good. Fungus grows between your toes, so why would I eat fungus? Just. Those of you that eat that, I'll leave that with you. However, I have also been raised that if I came to your house and you served me mushrooms, I would eat them. Now, don't any of you say, I'm going to. There's no need to test that theory. Where are we at? Okay, yes, being lost. And uh, one time on, on Vancouver Island, I was uh, picking mushrooms with our friend, Ross Campbell, and he went one way and I went the other way. And you're always supposed to be paying attention to where you're going. And But sometimes when you're just going from one patch of mushrooms to the next to the next, you're you just all of a sudden, you're, where am I? And I remember being that time feeling absolutely terrified because if you've ever been in the forest, it's super dense on Vancouver Island. And suddenly I realized I had no clue where I was or which way to get back to the road. And I was a little panicky and I prayed and I started doing what you're supposed to do. I uh, I ran. Uh, <laughs> That's never what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stay still and wait and yell and scream. But I just started running and we're in the right direction, I thought, and eventually I hit a road, which you often do. But if you're really, really lost on Vancouver Island, we have the 442 Squadron at Comox. And uh, that's uh, Canadian Forces-based Comox. And they have a big helicopter, and they also have a Buffalo aircraft, and we would see them often going. And they are specialists at finding lost people. If you're lost and you see a helicopter, you are really lost if the 442 Squadron is looking out for you. In fact, I think, yes, uh, in the recent floods when there was slides at Hope that cut off people, they were landing on the edge of the highway to, to be able to pick people up and take them to a place of safety. And I'm so thankful for the 442 Squadron that helps physically lost people, but I'm really, really thankful for Jesus who's out looking for lost people. Because Jesus had this incredible ability. He somehow had the power to attract all kinds of people. People who were in all kinds of messes. Tax collectors. When we read that, we might have some animosity simply because we're Canadians. And it's important that we don't like the CRA, uh, the the Canada Revenue Agency. We kind of binds us together. But it was much, much more than that. Those uh, tax collectors of that time were collaborators, They were working with Rome to collect taxes and often would steal more uh, than they were supposed to take. And so they were hated, not just as taking money, but collaborators with the enemy. And then sinners, it's basically anybody who, well, all of us would have been on that side of the table probably. And then it says then there were these other people that were incredibly religious that seemed to have all life together, did all the rules, kept all the rules, did everything right. Uh, And if they didn't, then they stone you and do kinds of things like that. But Jesus, they were all around Jesus. He had this incredible power to attract people. And he caused people to feel like they belonged. Feel like wherever they were at, there was still space for them. Not that he wouldn't tell them what was out of line, because he would. Just prior to this, uh, these verses, he, he said, whoever uh, would, would uh, in the same way, those who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. But still they stayed around him because there was something more. There was a power that was there. Jesus then tells them uh, this story because they, these religious groups uh, was complaining about, muttering about that these tax collectors and sinners, not only were they at dinner, but they were close to Jesus. In fact, they said it doesn't say much about Jesus when he'll hang out with those kind of people. And so Jesus somehow gets wind of this sentiment, this derisive comment. I don't know if he heard it, but somehow he responds to it in this way. And he tells them his story to help them understand how much he loves people. Jesus is the good shepherd in the story. We are the sheep. And one of the first things that we see powerfully is the high value of one person to God. It was one sheep the shepherd went to find. Just a couple things here. The second thing we see is that Jesus taught that God actively seeks out the lost. You know, Christianity is about the only faith system that says God's looking for you. Almost every other faith system in the world says you better be looking for God. Because you're on the outside looking in and if you're good enough and you've done enough and you're, you do all the right things, then maybe God will accept you. But in Jesus, he's actually actively looking for you and for me. Changes everything. And, but many, of, many rabbis of that time actually believed that Jesus or God only received the sinner who came to God the right way. But Jesus does not grudgingly receive the lost. Instead, he searches for them. And God finds the sinner more than the sinner finds God. A great Jewish scholar admitted that this is the one absolutely new thing which Jesus taught men about God, that he actually searched for people. The third thing that we see is that there is great joy when a lost one is found. According to... Barclay, in the commentary, many of the religious people of Jesus' day believed actually quite differently than that. They even had a saying, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. Wow. That's harsh. There will be great, I don't know which one you want to be a part of, but put that number three one back up there again on the screen to contrast it. There's great joy when the lost one is found, or this one, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. It's not a good way to opening statement to share your faith. As, Christian fo- as Christ followers today, we must be careful that we do not give the same impression off- in our often very appropriate zeal to speak out against culturally acceptable sin. You know, after, why am I talking about this today is, you know, after two years of COVID and all that it's been, and in many ways, you're just trying to get by to the end of the week or the end of the day or the end of the month, whatever, it's been difficult on many, many people. I, if I could, I could count on, I couldn't count on, on one or two hands or and two hands and my feet, how many times I've heard people, I'm just done with so much of all this. But what it has done in many ways for the church generally as I talk to pastors and leaders is that it has robbed us of vision and we've gotten into just survival mode. But God still loves lost people and is still looking for lost people. And that, that doesn't mean God can't do both at the same time. Help us in the middle of where we're at and also be looking for lost people. He's incredibly powerful that way. I remember when number of years ago, we had a boat on Vancouver Island, just a 17-foot uh, little runabout that was old, 1981. Had an inboard motor that ran some of the time, and you never knew when it was not going to work or whatever. Uh, if you ever want to grow your faith, buy a boat and go on the island, or if you ever want to just dig a hole and throw money in, that's probably more funny fun than just owning a boat to get an old one. And one time we were out on Hornby Island, as it's one of our... Uh, if, you, if you've never if you've never been there before you should go it's one of the best places on the go, on the coast. What's that Gorgeous Gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous. okay My hair it is gorgeous Hornby Island I'm not getting paid for that Hornby Island so you go to yeah, never mind you can find it um, but beautiful beach and everything but one uh, we were there with family and we had the boat. Uh, which I hadn't done a lot on the ocean with it, but here we were, and Shane, my brother-in-law, said, let's go fishing, and so we had some gear, and Jeff came with us as well, my father-in-law, and so we went out from Forge Cove, and we went around to the outside of the island, and and we were mm, fishing. I, again, we don't catch. You just fish. That's what fishing is, why it's called fishing, not catching, so I hate it, but um, <laughs> so we were out there, but at least I was driving a boat, and uh, Jeff had grown, had spent a long time living on Vancouver, and 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 if you look north when you're at Hornby Island, you will see the steam coming out of the where the pulp mill used to be. Um, there would be a steam coming out of there, and it would be going straight up. But if it was started to bend down and start to flatten out because of the wind, you knew you needed to like. Uh, Get for home because it could be some rough seas. And I remember, okay, Je- Jeff said, I think we should go. So I turn around, and it's the the tide was running against us. The wind was wailing, and I was just focused on getting home. I I mean people could have been anywhere around me. There could have been people swimming. I don't know, but all I was focused on was getting home because I didn't want to die. I thought of, I mean the waves were coming over. I thought this will be the time the oh, boat it, it it stops running like all the kind of things, but when I was in that moment, I was thinking of nothing else. I wasn't thinking if I had lost my ring. I wasn't thinking of any of those things. I was just thinking about survival. And, and it was scary for me. It wasn't scary for Jeff because he had been on very, very many waves. I think that he was actually quite enjoying the moment to see me panic. But sometimes that's what's happened over the last number of years. They're just survival mode and you just, I just got to get to where I've got to get to. But Jesus still models a love and a concern for those that would seem to be overlooked or labeled as unworthy of being loved by anyone, let alone God. And Jesus looked for the worst of started to think about that. Didn't just come to him, but he looked for the worst of. Gives hope to all of us. And he hung out with the worst of sinners, the tax collectors who we already talked about. And by his actions, Jesus fairly shouted, I love people, and I'm looking for people, all people. To the collaborating tax collector, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the one who grew up in church that has no relation, yet has no relationship with Jesus, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the one of us trapped in arrogance and pride, Jesus loves us and is looking for us. To the one struggling with doubt, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the one struggling with sexual identity, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the one that's broken your marriage vows, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the one struggling with resentment because of betrayal, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the divorced one, to the rejected one, to the lonely one, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the one so wrapped up in life that you're neglecting what's important, Jesus loves you and he's looking for you. To the one that feels like we've got nothing to offer Jesus, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. To the one that's trapped in pornography or some other addiction, Jesus loves you and is looking for you. Jesus loves lost people. And I'm thankful for that because I know how lost I am without Jesus. And when we forget that, it's a dangerous day for us. Because we start to be like the, people, the other people in this story. What kind of grace is this? What kind of love is this? Jesus always looking for lost people. The screw-ups, the mess-ups, the ones who don't have it all together, the ones who can't figure life out. Jesus loves us and is looking for us. But Craig, you started talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and then you got into a story about sheep and now I'm not sure where you are. Here's where we'll bring it around. Acts 10 and 38, the Holy Spirit. And you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, there it is again, and with power. And what did he do with that? Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus searched for and loved lost people because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't so blue flames could come out of his fingertips, though if they wanted to, I guess it could have. It wasn't so that he could get goosebumps on his neck, so if that happens, that's fine. God loves lost people so much that he's given us the Holy Spirit and power to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. If that's you, if Jesus ever looked for you and found you, say, that's me. me. Some of you are going to have an altar call at the end for the rest of us. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. John 3 and 16, we know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17 is equally as powerful. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Power to love, power to save, power to search, power to forgive, power to reach. Jesus was the one that said one of the main purposes of the power of the Holy Spirit, not the only, but one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to empower you and me, if you're a follower of Jesus, his people, to be his witnesses. But you shall receive... Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and to the ends of the earth. We need the Holy Spirit power, the might of the Holy Spirit, the ability of the Holy Spirit, the force of the Holy Spirit, the energy of the Holy Spirit that works in us to do mighty things for God. We need his power to love like Jesus to serve like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus, to care like Jesus, to heal like Jesus, to look for like Jesus, to act like Jesus. We can get so wrapped up in our own little world that we forget about the world. And please don't hear that I'm denigrating what's going on in your world. I'm just asking maybe as well as Jesus is working in you that he could cause us to lift our eyes a little bit. To the one. Do we have one? We can get so overwhelmed by the issues all around us that we forget the one that is near us. I thought about this. Do we know personally, do we personally know someone that is far from Jesus today? Do we have a one in our day-to-day life? Do we have a one that we are praying for? And if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe just take a moment even right now and ask Holy Spirit, maybe you have done this and you're already doing it great. Who is my one? Who is the one? Who is my one? One lost one. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to love the lost one like Jesus, to have compassion for lost people like Jesus, to see the oppressed one set free, to see the lost one found, one person at a time. Holy Spirit power has a purpose. The first purpose in this dunamis is for going to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Luke 14 and 23, it says this, so his master said, go. Someone say, go. Go. You know, one of the last things Jesus said before he went, go. But in this He's telling a parable here, Jesus. So his master said, go into all the countryside or the lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come out so that my house will be full. Friend of mine, a pastor who I worked with in Campbell River, he was the lead pastor. His name is John Overholt. And uh, he, he grew up not knowing God in any way. He was a, he was a magician, owned the Victoria Trick and Joke Shop. And he had nothing to do with God. He went to Sunday school when he was a kid, but no, he was walking far away from God. And he tells the story that one day he was working in his trick and joke shop, which was into getting into far beyond uh, just little sleight of hand things. It was getting into uh, the, the the demonic and all that would be. And he said, one day, this girl, about 15 years old, came into his shop and said this to him. He said, "Mister, you're going to go to hell if you don't stop living like you're living." And turned on her heel and walked out the door. And he was like, what in the world? What right does she have to talk to me like that? There is no God. There is nothing like this. And he was mad and frustrated. But when he went to bed that night, it rolled around in his head. And it started a process that brought him to surrender his life to Jesus. Yeah. And and he's gone all over preaching the gospel of Jesus and seeing many, many people come to Jesus. But go means to move out intentionally. It means to move from where we are to where we should be, to move with focus, to move with persistence, to proceed without delay. We were redeemed in part, not in total, but in part for the purpose of reaching others for Jesus. We will never be complete in our experience with God until we allow him to use us to go and share the good news of Jesus. Now, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but sometimes the introverts in a room, we're like, um, I'll leave that to Pastor Mike. <laughs> he will do my share. He, I think he does already. He's already taken care of my share, so we're good. But sometimes there's a space for all of us in this. It doesn't mean that you have to go down the street grabbing people if that's your, well, don't grab anybody, <laughs> just me. <laughs> But it doesn't mean that you have to be the one that's going down, grabbing a hold of strangers. This is it. This is your day. Maybe you will do that. That's fine. But most of the time, it's right in your world. Because I actually believe that God's placed you in spaces and places that other people can never go into. And he'll work through who you are and the gift that he's called, given in you and the personality that he's given you. And he'll help us, any of us, if we're willing to step out and go in some way. What do we do when we get there? The power is for proclaiming. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good, glad tidings of good things, who proclaim salvation to Zion, your God reigns. Good news if you're in shame. Good news if you're in fear. Good news if you're not, if you're far from God. And good tidings, a whole new life is available. There's a complete deliverance, salvation through Jesus. And it's our challenge to look beyond ourselves completely to God and his purposes, to live for God and not for ourselves, because it is a challenge to focus our attention outward cuz you just get there's it's just life. I had someone replied uh, to me uh, recently and they said sorry I haven't been in touch for a long time and then they were they said dot 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 life. I think that would speak to all of us at various times. Looking to the needs and concerns and opportunities for God to use us. Then power has a purpose in how we do our part. Some We have a choice. We can choose to accept or reject Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. It's your choice. However, once we choose to follow Jesus, surrender our life to him, we must follow him and choose to obey him. We must be a people who now take our orders from Jesus. And if we're going to reach one person, we cannot forget to unlock the power of prayer. Prayer is, you've heard around here, prayer is our first response, not our last resort. So I just want to talk a little bit about prayer. How do I pray for my one? Pray knowing that God wants them home. You're not wondering, I'm not sure. 1 Timothy 2.4, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So when you're praying, you're agreeing with God. Lord, I pray that they would find their way home. Pray, number two, pray persistently for specific people. Someone said, pray a five by five. Take five people and pray consistently for them five minutes a day. Five people. Maybe you can find five people and just five minutes a day. I'm going to bring them before God and I'm going to pray believing that God is working on them. John 6 and 44 says that no one can come to the can come to me, Jesus said, except the Father which has drawn them and I will raise him up at the last day. No one comes unless the father draws them. So we're asking God, would you we're believing that you're calling them. We're believing them, we're praying for them that you would do. So what what can I pray? I can pray for God to send conviction on them that they will sense the urgency of their need. I can pray for God to send enlightenment that they will have a spiritual opening of their eyes. In, in Acts 26 and 18, God says this, see, I am sending you, say, I'm being sent. Whoa, are not sure. I'm being sent to the Gentiles or wherever to open their eyes. Lost people are not dumb. They just can't see who God is. And so when we go That's what we're doing, opening our eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people. Pray for God to call and draw them that they'll be attracted to Christ. What can I do for my one? Our actions might need to change. How do I pray? We talked about that. What can I pray? Pray for conviction. Pray for enlightenment. Pray that God would draw them. What can I do for my one? Our actions might need to change. We might, we must make reaching people more, a higher priority. Maybe, maybe not all of us, but I know I do. I need to raise the priority level in my life of reaching people for Jesus. A greater priority. Maybe like you, like me, you hear the wake-up call and realize that we all need to get in a position, or many of us need to get in a position to reach people that are in your world, your one. You can reach your one in a way that I could never reach. That's why they're in your world. God's placed them in your world. Not just a random person, but I suspect someone close to you right now. Second Corinthians 5 and 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors means we represent or represent the king to our world. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That word implore means this, to make a call from being up close and personal. That's the most powerful way to reach our one is they're our one. They're close to us. How how many of us get those, like, calls all the time from random numbers that you have never seen before. Sometimes I'm now starting to get texts from random places asking me if I want to buy today. We don't answer those ones because we don't know who the person is. We don't know what, we suspect they're up to no good. It's kind of like that in reaching people. People are not usually wide open to hear from some person that they just, bumped into in a hallway. They could. We need to be sensitive to that. But I think more often than not, we reach people that, are making, that we can make a call to from being up close and personal in their life. That makes it a whole lot more doable. So how do we do it? We look for divine interruptions. Look for divine interruptions. Those times when interruptions come that seem to come into our day and mess things up a number of years ago, when I worked at a, in a private social service agency, a guy who I had, I don't think I would worked with him, but I, I knew who he was, called me and said, could you pick me up on your way to work? I was like, ah, no, I don't want to, because I have my routine. And I, and I was like, okay, I will. And I pick him up, and we were driving, and probably within two minutes, he said to me, so I hear you're one of those Jesus people. And it wasn't said with, like, joy and anticipation. I might also note he's about six five and 240 pounds. He's a big boy, gentle giant. And I said to him, "What do you mean by that?" He said, "Do you shove that stuff down your kid's throat?" I said, "Glad to start off our conversation this way." But over the process of time, I texted him this morning. Actually, I haven't led him to Jesus yet, but I've shared Jesus with him in so many spaces and places. Because uh, I was interrupted and I didn't want to be interrupted but now I've known him for 20 years and I'm praying for him that, Jesus, that he would surrender his life to Jesus. He's got all kinds of stuff going on in his life. A guy who'll give you the shirt off his back, but he's had some issues in his life. And so I just pray in Jesus that I could be available in that moment in that divine interruption. It's easy to confuse what we have planned with what is really important. And many of Jesus' memorable actions were done in response to intrusions into his personal plan and schedule. Will we be interrupted? And then finally, choose to do something when you can't do everything. If you're a perfectionist (laughs) and you want everything to be just so, it's really, really difficult to do this. And sometimes we're like, I don't know what to do. I can't, I don't know how to, like, I don't know, like, was the earth created in six literal days? Was it created over an epoch of time? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, Or what about this verse over here? I don't know why it says that. You don't have to know everything. Again, Pastor John Overholt, who I mentioned earlier, he said, everybody has a BA and is qualified to share their faith. What does that mean? You're born again. (laughs) We can take people as far as we've gone. Simple to say that, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the holy Spirit, uh, to the ends of the earth. Because of the Holy Spirit, I can do mighty things for God. Because of the Holy Spirit, I have the power to reach my one. Because of the Holy Spirit, I can love people more than I do. Because of the Holy Spirit. I can do mighty things for God. Because of the Holy Spirit, I have a supernatural power and energy within me. Jesus is working on your one. What do you do? Simple little things. Can offer a prayer. I've done, I've, I made that make that a practice. When someone shares something with me in there that's difficult, nine times out of 10, I'll say, can we pray right now? whether they know Jesus, whether I just met them or they work, I work with them wherever it would be. And I I can count on one hand over the years the number of times people have refused prayer. We can ask them a question. We can be a true friend. We can actively love them with no strings attached. We can sit with them in their grief. We can rejoice with them. We can go to dinner with them. We can include them. We can invite them to a meal, an event or a Sunday service. We can give them a book. We can give a take a deep breath, say a quick prayer and share what Jesus puts on our heart. God will help us for the one. There's purpose in Holy Spirit power. Acts 1 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I invite you to stand real quick. One, just one. I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment and just ask Jesus, who's the one he wants you to focus on right now? And maybe maybe you're this, he's gonna give you five because you're high capacity. Who's the one that he wants you to focus on right now that, that does not know Jesus, that's far from God? Who's the one? They might live in your house. Might be your grandparent, might be your son or daughter, might be your next door neighbor. I don't know. But lost people matter to God. And we're grateful for that because we've come to know Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and and as you've listened, just throw your hand up if if a name came to mind for you. yeah yeah. so we're going to pray and as we pray you're going to pray starting today for that person and maybe no name came but I can guarantee you this God has an assignment for you somebody for you that he wants to use you in some of it might be on the phone because you're that's all you can't get out as much as you used to but on the phone you can minister you can speak you can pray there's space and place for everybody Jesus, we're so grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you model a love that is incredible, that reaches across the lines. It's not concerned about political affiliation. It's not concerned if we have it all together or where, if we've got it all figured out. So we thank you for that example for us and pray that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, thank you that you empower, empower us to be your witnesses to properly represent you to our world, to your world. And Lord, I pray for those ones that are on our heart right now. And if that's you, just raise your hand and agree with me if you know that there's a one you're praying for right now. Lord, I pray for the ones that are represented by all the hands in the room. In the strong name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would do what only you can do. That you can rip back the veil over their eyes. That they could see light instead of darkness. That you would take them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. That revelation would come into their heart. That conviction would come into their heart. In the strong name of Jesus, Lord, that you would bring them to you. Lord, your word says no one comes unless you draw them. And so we're asking you, Father, to draw sons and daughters to yourself. That this would be a year of many, many, many salvations that we will hold on and continue to pray through as my friend. And Lord, for those of us that maybe there's no name that came to mind, Lord, I know that there's, that you have called each of us to reach people. Maybe none of us are gonna be uh, Billy Graham, Mass Evangelist, but we can all reach one. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do a work in our hearts and turn our hearts toward people, turn my heart towards people, Lord Jesus. Help me to love better. Help me to see people as you see them. Help me to to have a heart of compassion. Help us to reach beyond Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our families, Lord Jesus, for mothers and fathers that are far from you, for sons and daughters that are caught in traps of addiction and have walked away from you, from friends and family, Lord, that that have no awareness of who you are. Lord, thank you that you have called us and placed us in their life. Lord, that one, that many, many ones will be reached for you. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.